We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Uh, thank you, Envy Talent. Already hitting us up with the uh, super That's chat. That's a record. That, that has got to be the quickest one yet. So, uh, you know, looks like he's got to head out. But, uh, you know, really excited about this show, I guess. Um, weirdly enough, uh, I'm not actually excited about this show. I don't know. I always say that, but. Um, you know, we're going to dive into this matchup. Also talk about the Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow comparisons for a little bit. Uh, and joining me as always are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, uh, is going to be, you know, some of us are voting for players who actually deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. Alex is voting for Jerry Tillery. So, uh, Alex, how you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just going to vote for all the players who, um, everyone else thinks doesn't deserve it. So, Senio Kelamete, <laughs> you're getting my Pro Bowl vote tomorrow. <laughs> Let's get that follow for his, chain going. Hey, <laughs> across the whole season, if he only allows the 10 pressures, be the <laughs> yeah. best league. He'll be efficient. Very I think efficient. Brian Bulaga actually still takes that, though, doesn't he? Because he played four snaps. <laughs> yeah. True. No. Very true. Uh, Tyler, how you doing today, man? I am very nervous about this upcoming matchup. It's the worst I've felt in quite some time this year. So uh, we'll see. Let's see how we feel at the end of this. Yeah, I uh, I definitely have felt more anxious about this matchup than I have really any of the other matchups, maybe outside of the first game in Kansas City. I feel like uh, that one was still gave me you know a lot of anxiety, but this one is is definitely up there with the with the the worst of them in that regard. Yeah, this one. Yeah, pretty much this. Yeah, that that in the Kansas City game. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, we're going to dive into the game, talk about the Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert comparisons. Before we do, have to give a shout out to our sponsor, TickPick. TickPick is the official ticketing sponsor of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Uh, obviously, the season is coming to an end. Maybe if you are going to a conference championship game this weekend for college football, as I wish I were, uh, maybe you're going to an NFL game in the coming months or a bowl game or whatever have you. TickPick has you covered, and with our code or website, excuse me, the link, uh, you can get a $10 discount on your first purchase. So please go check that out. Uh, 
That being said, uh, Alex and I actually got to go on the Franchise Guy podcast with Marcus Whitman, uh, and we talked about the Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert comparison. So, um, Alex, uh, you know, we the, what was kind of your takeaway from that conversation? Obviously, you know, Dan Orlovsky is talking about, you know, Joe Burrow's his choice if they do a redraft because, you know, Joe Burrow has more swagger and a bunch of bullshit. Um, but where, where do you land with the Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert comparisons these days? Uh, I think Joe Burrow is very good. I mean, I think Dan Orlovsky is, is funny because it's like, okay, so Joe Burrow has it factor, but the guy who had the greatest rookie quarterback season in NFL history doesn't have it factor. So, I mean, that's a little bit perplexing to me. Um, but, you know, as far as the whole swagger thing, I don't care about any of that stuff. I mean, him smoking a cigar after the national championship game is still cool, but it's like, okay, you had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and, you know, a bunch of other guys that helped out in that effort. Um, so, you know, so I, yeah, no, I think Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback. I think he's going to be top 10, top five guy, uh, for a while, the only, only reason that I side with Justin Herbert is just those throws that he's able to make with his arm. Um, I don't think Joe Burrow is capable of making those throws. And I think there's maybe two other quarterbacks in the league and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes who are able to make those kinds of throws on, you know, on a rope 60 yards that, you know, Justin Herbert does. Uh, you could throw Josh Allen into that mix as well. Then you get into the fact that he's just, you know, a dual threat uh, as we saw against the Steelers and the fact that you can sort of get more of that running game with him. Um, if they can start to draw that up better, like that's something that could be a real weapon. And, you know, unfortunately for Joe Burrow, given unfortunate circumstances, he's never going to be that kind of dual threat quarterback. But I do think he has better anticipatory skills in the pocket than Justin Herbert does. Um, I, that's something where you would like to see Herbert develop, but still as a total quarterback, sure. like I said, on the franchise, guys show, I would take Justin Herbert. And I do also think it's worth pointing out that he's, like two years younger and still has a ways to develop. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I couldn't unmute myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see where Joe Burrow has currently gone in his career. I wish we had seen more of him his rookie season when sure. I, I barely did any actual like draft analysis last year. I did the quarterbacks a little bit and what I wrote next to Joe Burrow's name, if I'm not mistaken, was Terminator and just a guy who takes hits, is hit, beat up, but for whatever reason, he always tries to get back up. He's always getting... I mean, last year's line was terrible for him. Same with Herbert. And the, the line's really not that much better this year either. But he keeps getting back up. He keeps fighting. And that's something I loved him at, at US at LSU, excuse me, that he could do. And he's done that in the NFL. So he's been really, really solid, happy for him. When we did our quarterback picks, you know, who, who do you want for the next 10 years or whatever it was, I did pick Justin Herbert, and I still feel that way. I still, I still would. That's totally biased. Um, you'd like to see some of the processing and decision-making improve for Herbert, but I think that will change. You know, Burrow walked into a situation, even though I didn't think the team was any better, they walked into a situation where the offense knew exactly what to do with him. A lot of spread, a lot of empty, whatever. Let him make the decisions. They had T. Higgins. Now they have Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, all these different options for him. I think he had A.J. Green for a second last year, right, if I'm not mistaken. I was like kind of 50-50. And yeah. then he developed into this year, into that same system with more weapons around him. So... You know, I'm hoping for Herbert in this system, sticking with this, hopefully one that he's comfortable with. I think he can be better. I'm taking Herbert for the next, you know, rest or whatever. Slightly biased, sure, but I think he earns it. Because like you, like Alex said, this, Herbert can just make the throws, the throws on the move against the Cowboys or against the Vikings or Eagles, whatever it is. 
Earl just can't do that. But you have right. to acknowledge that he's very excellent at managing the pocket, working the pocket. He was more pro ready, quarterback ready, of course. Like then that's why he went number one overall. But Herbert is a lot further along than I ever would have thought. And again, like he said, I'm taking him. Yeah, absolutely. I just think, you know, the physical upside here for Justin Herbert is really the one. And like Joe Burrow, like he does have, you know, a lot of swagger. He plays with a really cool attitude and that's fine. But it's just funny to me how like when people who choose Joe Burrow in this conversation, they don't ever talk about anything that happens on the field. It's all about Joe Burrow's attitude and smoking a cigar and like the swagger that he plays with and that he has an it factor. And like, that's cool. That definitely plays into it. But like, what does Joe Burrow do better on the field? And I think you guys mentioned some of those, but you know, the guys who you know talk about this never talk about what Joe Burrow does better on the field. And so, yeah, I think Justin Herbert, the physical tools really give him the edge. I think he still has the best passer rating on throws that travel more than 20 yards in the air. Uh, you know, Kevin points out he doesn't have a reconstructed knee too. So Joe Burrow has the injury history as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me, it's Justin Herbert and it, I, it's no shade to Joe Burrow. I, th- I really like Joe of course. Burrow. I think he is going to be a fantastic player. I think he's going to be kind of that, you know, best of the best in terms of like the game manager kind of tier, you know, what we've seen in, 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 you know, the best version of like Ryan Tannehill last year. I think Joe Burrow can be in that same kind of running where he's almost always a, you know, top 10 to 12 quarterback. But uh, Alex said yesterday on the show, you, you know, you think, of Joe Burrow as like a top eight to 12 guy consistently in his career. Whereas Justin Herbert could be a top one quarterback for multiple seasons. And I think, uh, so shout out to Alex. I'm stealing your line, but uh, that's the way that I feel too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, I'm a little bit more optimistic on Joe Burrow than high end Ryan Tannehill. Um, But (laughs) I'm a little bit more optimistic on him than that. But I do think, yeah, just the physical tools give Herbert that edge to become sort of that next, you know, Mahomes or Rodgers. Not saying it's going to happen because I do think Justin Herbert kind of needs to be more like Joe Burrow from the pocket um, in in terms of those anticipation on throws, like I mentioned. But, um, yeah, I I think if you give all 30 GMs a redraft, I I think most of them are, are going to say that they would take Herbert number one. Yeah, we also got a shout out Arjun and his graphic uh, today about quarterback help and talking about either special teams, defense, receivers being schemed open, all that sort of stuff. And last year, when he showed the 2020 you know ranking, I think Herbert and Burrow were neck and neck at like 31st and 30th <laughs> last <laughs> year right. with basically having no help. But this year, they're right next to each other again, but at 15th and 16th. So good job by both franchises improving, we think, the, the players and the personnel or whatever around them. Yeah, Ben Baldwin posted uh, the graphic that can kind of combined, you know, uh, pass blocking efficiency, ESPN's pass block win rate, all the kind of offensive line metrics that there are. And, you know, last year, the Chargers and the Bengals were both in like the bottom left quadrant. And this year, they're both in the middle of the pack. So I think that's a a strong improvement. The Bengals are actually still healthy. You know, they they aren't really missing any starters, whereas the Chargers have had, you know, two backups all season long. Um, And you know, now they're dealing with a third one. So, um, you know, credits to both franchises there for better supporting their quarterbacks. All right, we got a couple housekeeping uh, items before we dive into this matchup. The Chargers obviously signed Devontae Harris, uh, formerly of the 49ers practice squad, and he's kind of bounced around after being drafted by the Bengals, played for the Ravens as well as the Broncos. Um, For the most part, 
He was primarily a special teams player, um, but he did get six starts with the Broncos when Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill were on that staff, uh, kind of lining up with Trey Marshall. Uh, but guys, any thoughts on the uh, signing of Devonta Harris and kind of what that means going forward? Just another good potentially example of this staff definitely having a good control over who joins this roster, who leaves the roster, who stays. I mean, these are kind of fringe guys like Marshall, Banks, and Harris. They're fringe guys, but you can tell the staff definitely has an input. This isn't like a fully Telesco-driven thing. I know people have debated that a lot this week. And there's some of it, sure. But I think in, in terms of these moves, obviously Staley and Hill and these guys have a sort of role. I hope it works out. If I'm reading everything correctly, he's more of a special teams like gunner sort of type. A guy who can go get the football, stop the returner. I'm curious what that does for Justin Jackson, maybe. He had the one special teams tackle last week. I don't think that pushes him off the roster by any means. But as he kind of takes some of that role, they're trying to move different running backs around right now. Bradwell was activated. Rontree was inactive. They brought in Ito Smith or however you say his name. So, you know, are they finding a way to bring in another guy to push one of these running backs off the roster and maybe sign a guy like Smith? I don't know. Um, but I don't make much of it until something happens right now. The league or the team leader in tackles is Neiman with 10. So this guy will sign. You know, if you know, well, He signed. If he plays, you know, two or three tackles on the year and that's it, I don't expect much from him. Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely looking at him for more of just having cornerback bodies right now with the fact that Asante Samuel Jr. is hurt uh, with, with the concussion right now. And uh, if you can kind of have him on special teams, that's not terrible um, just because they do need a gunner ever since they lost Ryan Smith, unfortunately. Um, so I, I think they've kind of been looking for that guy and not saying that, you know, Devontae Harris is going to be that. But, you know, there's the potential there um, and they can need all the help on special teams that they can get, uh, as yeah. we've talked about, kind of ad nauseum on this show. Um, but, yeah, I don't make too much of it until I really see him play. Um, but at this point, it can't really get too much worse <laughs> in the secondary with the guys that are really right. behind Michael Davis and Asante Samuel right now. So. Maybe you take a flyer on him, see if it works. If it does and it doesn't, and then you can just cut him like Eric Banks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely think it's more of a Ryan Smith replacement than it is like an actual cornerback piece. Um, although he did have a few good games in Denver when he started, but for the most part, it, it was, you know, everything that I was able to find was all special team stuff. Um, you know, he is a low 4-4 guy, so he is faster than Keandre Thomas, and he is faster than... Kimon Hall, definitely faster than Justin Jackson, who they've been rolling out there, um, you know, at Gunner. So um, that's kind of where I feel like he's going to make his mark. But, you know, at the end of the day, they needed a body back there to be able to kind of mix it up. Uh, and then as Tyler pointed out, they did bring in, apparently it's Ito Smith, according to uh, the chat right now, um, the running back formerly of the Falcons. I am so frustrated with the running back <laughs> Let's situation hear it, man. right now i at this point i literally do not care who is the running back to just pick one flip a coin if you have to and just pick one and let that man actually touch the ball like you you bring up darius bradwell from the practice squad presumably because he's been practicing really really well and you want to evaluate him and then the man gets one running play, and it was an RPO where Justin Herbert threw it. Like, what are we doing? 
Justin Jackson is supposed to be your running back too when he's healthy. He played zero offensive snaps on Sunday. So I literally do not care if it's Josh Kelly, Rattree, Ito Smith, Darius Bradwell, Troy May Pope, fucking Gabe Neighbors for all I care. Just pick one and actually give that man the ball. Like we're 13 weeks into the season and we're <sighs> still searching for consistency in production. Well, you don't even let any of them touch the ball. Just yeah. pick one at this point. Yeah, um, that was a really hard RP2 rant. Uh, I you can't follow <laughs> that up. You, you said everything I could possibly say. Um, I don't mind Edo Smith coming in for a visit. That's that's fine. If it pushes one of Joshua Kelly or Larry Roundtree off the roster, fine um, <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do think it's true what they you're saying about just kind of flip a coin and let him go. Uh, because at this point they don't seem to like have confidence in any of them, uh, and, and that's become evident, which is a problem if you're trying to make one of them RB two during the course of the season. Um, I still think the best bet is probably Justin Jackson, but they don't seem to have confidence anymore or confidence in his ability specifically to stay healthy. I should say. Um, so at this point, yeah, do what you want at RB two. I'm. <laughs> I'm so apathetic towards it and just make sure Eckler touches the ball a lot and uh, <laughs> we'll get through it. Maybe. I, I hate this stupid thing. They <laughs> we've had three preseason games and 11 regular season. We're at 14 right. games. Plus you had Jackson and Kelly last year. So you generally know what you have in these guys and Bradwell to an extent. And we're still rotating. Like it's the preseason where the, and then we're activating four running backs on game day. I don't know what's going on with this team. I've never seen something so so puzzling as a freaking RB2 situation where three different drafted guys can't take that job. And then, yeah, we'll activate them, but we won't use them. Like, what can? how does he dress today? I don't know. How did Bradwell dress today? How did Jackson dress today and prepare for the offensive game plan in the meeting room? Right. That's all we can evaluate these guys on because they're not getting touches. You know, I'm sure there was an opportunity somewhere there for Bradwell to get a touch as a runner. He didn't. Jackson with zero snaps, despite the fact that he's probably your most explosive runner and potentially pass catcher after Eckler. Nah, no touches for him. I talked about this in the video that I did. These personnel decisions are insane. And I don't know who has the sway here. You know, if you're keeping Jackson, not giving him touches, but he's at least contributing on special teams. That's something, I guess. Sure. I don't know. It's all really frustrating. At least... I don't know, give someone some touches, some carries, and then keep it consistent and then throw him some passes too. At least we saw something from Kelly because he caught a pass and he's able to, you know, make something of it. It's like, oh, okay, there's some sort of spark. But then, you know, do I expect Kelly to even play this week? I expect Roundtree to probably start this week because they're probably <laughs> going to bench Kelly. And that makes no probably. sense, but they just did that with Roundtree. Roundtree's like, yeah, look at my awesome counter 40-yard run. It was called back, but it was a great run. What's my reward for this? Inactive. Here's Kelly. What are we doing? So Yeah, so I mean, I, I think Steven wants them to flip a coin and just decide, you know, the rest of the season who the RB2 should be. But I think Brandon Staley is more like Two-Face right now where he's just flipping a coin before every game uh, and then determining <laughs> whether Roundtree or Kelly will start. So we'll see. That's yeah, I, probably true at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been true. Like, I want them to flip a coin and stick with that person. I don't want them to, to keep, keep flipping yes. coins, but... The fact that we're 13 weeks into the season and it's like we don't know who's the who's the better player. It's like oh that's gosh. what training cramp in the preseason is for. 
That's not what the regular yeah. season is for, you guys. I promise it's not supposed to be this hard. Right. Anyway. Yeah, so... at least Anthony Lynn was like, you know, Kalen Balaj, fuck it. 40 runs up the middle. Like, and that was it. <laughs> got, they decided that was res- it. Gotta respect it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, man. The one thing I miss about Anthony Lynn is the way that he could get any Joe Schmo off the street and have him be an effective running back on, on a given week. You know, Troy May Pope off the street. Here's 40 yards and, and 20 yards receiving yeah. off the street against the Dolphins. Yeah, and Denver, if I'm not mistaken, they did a really good rushing day. Yeah. Um, all right, the other thing, too, uh, Linval Joseph supposedly uh, is going to be activated off of the COVID list. Recently, if you look on his Instagram page, it looks like he's coming back tomorrow, I would assume. Uh, the Chargers roster is currently at 53 players. So once they do activate him, they will have to cut somebody else. And I swear to God, if they cut Brayden Falco, I'm going to be pissed. Well, you're going to be pissed, Steven. <laughs> Not that I know anything, but I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to be pissed. <laughs> they want to activate their fifth running back and they want to keep their three quarterbacks and neighbors who is not going to see the field and is probably not on the team next year. They're going to stick them on the team. And so, yes, Falco is going to the practice squad and it wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders signed him or something. It's just amazing to hear you guys in the pessimistic zone. I've been here for like a month. Wow. <laughs> like it's just it's just awe-inspiring. Uh no, I think Linval Joseph. <laughs> I think Linval Joseph being back is, is helpful. Um obviously, you know, he's been yeah. you know, part yes. of why the run game was doing better, obviously, um, until last week. And then uh, you know, things kind of went to shit there. But uh having him back at least makes the Jerry Tillery snaps watchable. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that can work and make sense. Um, but yeah, no, I think having him back is a positive. I don't know what their decision is going to be. I assume they're going to cut one of the defensive tackles, but maybe they cut another player um, at this point. I don't know, but I, I would like it if they kept Braden Fahoko because he was the most effective, but also they decided to just not play him after the first quarter last game. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not sure that he's really in position to stay on the team. So probably should be another player that gets cut, but at this point doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I watched the defensive film today. I wanted to make sure I watched it before this show and uh, Fajoko and Gaziano didn't see a single snap in the second half. And I'm sitting there watching Tillery <laughs> and Christian Covington just get steamrolled. And I like Covington. I think he's a fine, like fifth defensive tackle, you know, right. Pinch, but you know, it just was so frustrating to, you know, see these guys, Gaziano and, and Fajoko, play so well against the Steelers. And then the reward against the Broncos is seven snaps and none in the second half and 15 <sighs> snaps and none in the second half. And so I think, you know, when you don't have Linvaugh Joseph and Justin Jones out there, there's just such a lack of like talent and disruptiveness. And a lot of it is heart. Like Derwin James said that mm-hmm. John Merriman has said that it's just a lack of heart with the other players, lack of a motor. And, you know, when you see Gaziano and Fajoko come out against the Steelers and they were playing with their hair on fire, mm-hmm. like I need to see more of that 89% snaps for J- Jerry Tillery. It's, <laughs> it's just annoying and it makes no sense to me how you can watch the film there and be like, yeah, this guy deserves to be on the field for as many snaps, if not more, as Joey Bosa. That's neat. 
Um, wow. If you yeah, go to 89%. NFL.com, you can Pro Bowl vote Jerry Tillery. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Yeah. It's the point where Sean Merriman picked against the Chargers. And he's a super homer. But he picked against the Chargers and picked the Bengals to win on whatever segment he was on. And he yeah. basically said, someone needs to light a fire under these guys. And I don't think he was talking about the offense. This defense needs to step it up. And those guys in the interior, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. They're They're just... Look, I know Jerry Tillery isn't the best press conference guy, and no one's really a fan of his press conferences. And I know some of the reporters aren't huge fans of his press conferences. <laughs> but at least, like, Joey Bosa's kind of chill, but on the field he turns it on or something, right? Or Herbert's kind of chill, but he can get fired up too. Tillery, like, he plays like he does press conferences. Just kind of like, I'm here. The only time I've really seen him give true effort and heart, <laughs> this is probably mean, it's unnecessary roughness penalties. The only time where he's when he's decking Mac Jones and Drew Lock in the backfield. When he's doing something stupid, it's the only time he shows energy. <laughs> Gotta respect it. Oh God. All right. That's a lot of ranting so far. Uh, we haven't even started talking about the game. So <laughs> All right, uh, let's dive into this matchup. Obviously, the Chargers and the Bengals will be playing on Sunday. This is a huge matchup in the AFC, as this really kind of Mm -hmm. feels like whoever wins this game is kind of going to be uh, kind of not clinching, obviously, but really kind of cementing their status in the playoff picture. So, uh, Tyler, we'll start with you, man. What's your biggest storyline you're focusing in on this week as the Chargers travel to Cincinnati? Yeah, it's, it's all related to the defense. Who outside of the guys we expect to be great? So Joey Bosa, Derwin James, even Kaiser White at this point, which of those guys wants to be a game changer for a day? Because of the guys that I don't expect to be great, you know, who wants to have a good day? You know, when you think about Tranquil versus the Raiders and him blitzing or Campbell yeah. versus the Chiefs, those are great days and they change the game. The Chargers do not win without those great days from good players. You know, we talked about the offense all week and the more you dive into things, the Chargers are second in yards per drive, seventh in points per drive, second in touchdowns per drive. They're they're 12th all time right now in generating first downs, number two in, deep, in offensive DVOA, seventh in EPA per play, but they're only 14th in points per game. Why? I'd mostly point to that defense. They are last in defensive EPA per dropback since week nine. They can't get out the field on third down. They can't help themselves. They can't you know to commit a penalty. They're giving up huge gains on third and long consistently now. They've generated. Two turnovers the past 328 plays. One of them was technically a cousin self-fumble where he ran into his own lineman. And another <laughs> one was a Drew, Drew Lock boneheaded throw interception. So they're getting one turnover every 164 plays. And of course, who generates those turnovers? That's Joey Bosa and Derwin James. And against the Broncos, it should have had another two almost off of Joey Bosa and Derwin James. So can someone that I don't expect to be great, don't care who it is, Jerry Tillery, Michael Davis at this point, Chris Harris Jr. Can one of those guys that I don't really expect to be great, can they just be good for great or good, even good for one day? Who can change the game? Because right now it's the two guys that we are we know that'll be great. That's Bosa and James. Kaiser White generally has really solid games this year. Otherwise, like who else is out there? And you know what? Maybe they're not the right guys for this team. Maybe, you know, when the contracts expire, they'll move on or whatever. But right now, this game with a huge AFC matchup, who's going to step up? Can anyone else? So far, no. So hopefully somebody does. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the defense today, and I just, 
there's such a lack of consistency, particularly in the back seven in terms of making plays, right? Like Tavon Campbell has come really close to making some interceptions, you know, against Minnesota. He dropped one. He was really close on Sunday against the Broncos on one. We've seen Mm -hmm. Adderley, you know, be a couple, you know, steps away here and there from a few interceptions. Um, And and I think Adderley is playing the run very well. I think he's making some good plays in in coverage. And frankly, he saved like four touchdowns on Sunday against the Broncos. So in terms of him being consistent as a tackler, he's taken a big step forward, in my opinion. But, you know, you have such a liability in Tavon Campbell. You have a liability in Chris Harris. Like, there's just, you know, you look at the difference in the Bengals defense and the Chargers defense, and they just don't have enough, like, solid players, like players that they can just depend on every single week. And I th- I think that's the biggest dif- difference defensively in this one. Um, Alex, any thoughts there? And then uh, your biggest storyline that you're paying attention to this week. Yeah, no, my biggest storyline, I mean, kind of relates to that, uh, specifically looking at the secondary and how they're going to stop this, you know, kind of monster Cincinnati team. Because uh, I look at the defensive line and I go, yeah, they're not stopping Joe Mixon. Um, he, <laughs> he just had 165 yards last week and two touchdowns. You're, you're not stopping him. So to me, you're looking at the things that you can maybe fix. And I could probably talk myself into Michael Davis doing okay on Jamar Chase, maybe, probably not. Um, but then you look at Chris Harris and Devon Campbell, it's like, all right, well, we have to deal with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins still. Um, yeah. So they yeah. have a lot that they can throw at you, unfortunately. Um, and so I, I'd love to see some kind of, you know, we talked about it briefly, I think, with Marcus Whitman, where, you know, maybe you could, this is a Derwin week, where you can maybe stick him on one of those wide receivers. I wouldn't hate it. They haven't been using him like that. Um, but I feel like this might be a situation that calls for it, especially because you don't have Asante Samuel. Uh, so that's going to be rough. So, yeah, I think it's just about what can the defense control at this point. And a lot of the times on third down, they're beating themselves, uh, you know, a lot of the time. So if they can get off the field on third down, that's, you know, a, that would be an improvement, but I, I just don't know how you can expect it going into this game with, uh, with Mixon and, and the wide receivers they have. So for me, considering the fact that you can't control Mixon at this point, I, I'd be stunned if he had less than 90 yards. Uh, you've got to focus on the things that you can control in this game, which is for forcing some turnovers in the secondary and maybe the second level of the defense mm-hmm. uh, and having good days from Chris Harris and Tavon Campbell, who, you know, Chris Harris is capable of having good games at points. Uh, Tavon Campbell, we've been much more off on the last couple of weeks. Maybe they have a good game, but uh, I just I don't really see it with this defensive line at all right now. Yeah, I mean, if Limbaugh Joseph comes back, it's obviously, you know, a big feather in the Chargers cap. And I think, like, I would feel a lot better in this heading into this matchup if I knew for a fact that Limbaugh was playing, that Matt Filer was playing, that Asante yes. Jr. could play. Like, the injuries in this one are just going to be such an unfortunate driving force for the chargers. Like if Matt Filer plays, I genuinely do not think that this offense can get past 20 points. Like it's going to be uh, a tough showing again, but you know, we'll get to a little bit more of that going on. Uh, I think for me, you know, this is a really interesting battle of field position. Like I know, like getting down to the basics of football, like the mm. Los Angeles chargers, are 31st in average in their average start to offensive drives. 
The only team worse than that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cincinnati, <laughs> yeah, right. It can't. The Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> however, are seventh best in that fact. So special teams, their special teams DVOA is okay. <laughs> that's that's certainly a contributing factor. But the biggest factor there is actually their defense. Their defense mm-hmm. is allowing the fourth fewest yards per drive, according to Football Outsiders. And that is giving Joe Burrow a ton of short fields. So you look at the Bengals offense, and they're actually 20th in the league in yards per drive. They're not super efficient. They're not super, you know, march down the field and and have long extended drives kind of offense. But they are ninth in points per drive, according to Football Outsiders. So they are getting a ton of short fields courtesy of their defense and special teams, whereas the Chargers never do. They hardly ever get short fields because, as Tyler mentioned, they don't take the ball away and they don't get off the field early enough. So this is going to be a very interesting battle battle in terms of field position. You know, we've seen Brandon Staley really go for it and be aggressive on fourth downs to try and extend drives. Uh, and when it doesn't, the, you know, they kind of hang the defense out to dry. Defense is definitely not playing well. But you look at the special teams, the turnovers, the fourth downs, and, you know, this is a game where you have to be able to win the battle of the field position somehow and force the Bengals to, you know, march down the field, you know, 75, 80 yards as much as you can and limit the short fields, I think, is is kind of the biggest overarching matchup for me. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing just with this game is like if you don't trust defense and special teams, then the way you're winning this game is Justin Herbert plays like a top five quarterback. Like, you know, ultimately, I think that that's probably what this game comes down to. I'd love to see everybody ball out on defense and, um, you know, kind of have a week that they haven't had in many weeks, frankly, maybe since the Philadelphia game. Um, There hasn't really been that kind of defensive performance recently. So, you know, you're just kind of looking for that kind of a game from the defense. But at this point, uh, I, I think it's pretty much Justin Herbert plays like he did it against Pittsburgh. He plays like he does against Philadelphia, or you can kind of chalk it up as an L. Yeah, even the Bengals defense is playing well. That's the part that's frustrating. They designed Hendrickson and they're playing well. I think Bates is still pretty solid. Um, Hilton or Hinton, their, their corner is playing pretty well. So it's, it's going to be a tough outing. I don't believe. Of the guys of the defenses that are currently in EPA per play top ten, I don't believe the Chargers have beat any of them. And I think the Bengals are fifth, if I'm not mistaken. I think they were tenth, then then were then they were seventh, and then they moved up to fifth. And so they're playing pretty solid ball right now. And again, the Chargers not because of Justin Herbert. He's not the only reason they lose these games, but they have yet to beat a team that is currently within that top ten. It was the Vikings before. The Broncos were, I think, 11th last week, but they still didn't beat them. Now the Bengals are fifth. I actually think that's the best defense they faced all year, unless the Patriots moved ahead of them. So, yeah, field position would be great. And pray the Hopkins can kick a ball, you know, vertically and it rotates vertically <laughs> rather than horizontally. Not like a frisbee. Do not kick a ball like a <laughs> no frisbee. <laughs> all right, uh, let's talk about some of these injuries. Of course, we mentioned uh, Matt Filer. So he's been limited uh, in, in both of the practices so far this week. Brandon Staley said yesterday that he was a true game time decision, that he did have a legitimate chance of playing in that game. So I think he'll play this week, but, you know, we've seen them kind of be cautious. We've also seen them kind of hold players out from practice in general. Um, Obviously, tomorrow's injury report will 
uh, tell us a lot. But I, I think I'm leaning towards Matt Filer playing this week. Uh, and that would obviously be a huge benefit for Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. I got so mad at Tom Telesco because I <laughs> saw what a good line should be. And then they took it from me because of that yeah. ankle injury. And I'm it's like, I know I liked Matt Filer and I've appreciated the run game. The, my header into my Twitter profile is a run play where Filer is blocking Same. and it's great. But man, him being out just makes me realize how much I despise Tom Telesco's decisions to, you know, ignore some pieces, not draft some pieces, or just get some depth behind him. Uh, Thomas Martinez asked in the, in the chat, if Filer can't go, do we finally see Hymas? Can they roll with Calamete and explain that to the locker room? <laughs> Listen, I like, I, I like Steven's angry rants on the YouTube video breakdowns as much as anyone, <laughs> but I don't want to see Herbert get pressured 10 times because Calamete can't do his job and he wasn't even good in the run game either like it looked like like you said there's no chemistry there's no synergy there's nothing between these guys which you know understandably i guess but you expect a veteran to look kind of better there's no competent you know at least mentally but there was like nothing there so i don't know who's calling the shots for this offensive line i pray filer is back i will lose somebody else to get Filer back. Like <laughs> this team was not going to move the ball if Kelamete's out there again. And you know that's who they're going to put out there. Yeah, I, I mean whether it's Kelamete or Jaimez, like I, I do think at this point it should be Jaimez because I've seen enough of Kelamete last week. Uh and, and they should make that decision if that's the case. But really it's that Filer needs to needs to play in this game. Um if he right. doesn't that's another one of those you could chalk it up as an L kind of things because I don't know how they're just going to get the protections right. And then you also have to worry about Schofield on the other side. So then you have two guards and Lindsley needs to help. Uh, so that would be kind of unfortunate at this point. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think if Matt Feidler plays, that gives the Chargers at least a chance to, you know, go back and forth with the Bengals. Um, and, you know, I, we're, we'll talk about X factors later, but... I think he's arguably the biggest X factor on offense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I won't rant again. You know, if you want to watch the, the full rant, please go watch my video. Uh, the thing that just bugs me, though, is that if your plan, so you you, you draft Brennan Hymas, and if your plan for him is to redshirt him the whole year, then you have to have a better alternative plan there. If that means carrying 10 offensive linemen on your roster, that's what you have to do. You're plan for your backup guards cannot just be to sign Joe Schmo off the street when you do have injuries. So that to me falls on Tom Telesco and if also falls on Brandon Staley and whoever uh, is making that decision, Frank Smith, the offensive line coach, you either have to do a better job preparing Brandon Hymas or have a better alternative plan. And hey, so look, just look, we're, we're, we're still keeping extra linemen. Trey Pipkins is still here. <laughs> Yeah, so it just is a mess all around. Uh, Jason, you know, I, I let it all out on the video. Like, I literally ranted about it for, I think, 20 minutes on that alone. Um, so it was it it was very therapeutic, right? But, you know, I'll save our, our audience here today. So please go check that out. Um, the other injuries, of course, uh, Alohi Gilman has not practiced. Brandon Staley said that he's hurting bad. He posted on his Instagram as if he were like going to be out for quite a while. 
So I don't really expect to see him anytime soon. Trey Marshall has been banged up. He's always on the injury report. I feel like Mark Webb also on injured reserve. And have they signed another safety? No, they haven't. They have all these injuries at safety. We haven't seen Ben DeLuca. Uh, it's very concerning back there with the lack of a safe with lack of safety depth. Um, and you know, we're talking about Derwin James maybe playing in the slots some more. Kind of hard to do when you don't have a third safety that you can also trust. Is there not like another? Isn't Trey Boston available? Isn't Jaleel Adai available at this point? Like <laughs> we we can't get another. Once you're on safety forty two, I don't at this point I don't care if it's Jaleel Adai because I at least know that he kind of understands football and can kind of play well. <laughs> and he played well in spots last week or not last year at least. Last year, yeah. Throw him out there or something, but why are we activating Darius Bradwell over Ben DeLuca? Like, I don't understand why you can't just have them on the field just in case if Derwin James goes down, is is it just Chris Harris jr. At at safety, like permanently, is that what we're doing? Which, I mean, I guess you weren't really plugging in DeLuca there behind, you know, James, but you got to have something or sign somebody. They can do running back tryouts, no problem, but they can't find another safety. I don't know why they feel so comfortable with the group that they have because they're running out of bodies. If Derwin James is ever out for the rest of the game with more than a quarter left, I think that Brandon Staley should walk to midfield and forfeit the game. Uh, <laughs> that's the state of this defense right now with the 40-second safety, like Tyler said. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see them get some depth there. Uh, that, that would be fun. But at this point, they seem relegated to the notion that maybe Gilman will come back and web off of IR. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. And like Steven said, it's, it's hard to see Derwin James go up against the best guys that since he has when he, he doesn't have that flexibility, uh, right now. Yeah. So they're still moving around and, and, you know, he was the, he was our only stud of the day after the game on <laughs> against the Broncos. But I honestly, I think he played better than we thought, like he played one of the best games of his career and it sucks because it was wasted. He made so many insane plays and, you know, you can talk about the sack that should have been the interception. You know, I, I tweeted that video of him lining up as a deep safety on the right side of the defense and sprinting to the opposite side of the field and tackling Javante Williams in space. Like he's so, so good. And, you know, it's unfortunate the chargers don't really have many other good players because, you know, they're wasting a truly elite all-pro season from Derwin James. Uh, and if he isn't first-team all-pro, then uh, people need to watch safety because that's a joke. Um, all right, the other injury, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. obviously still in concussion protocol. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Staley said that he's been doing slightly better. Um, but I, I would be surprised if he plays again this week. So it looks like we will see uh, another week of Taewon Campbell, Chris Harris, and Michael Davis as the starting corners. Six weeks ago, I said that was a really good idea. I was like, ah, that's fine. That seems really good. I like Campbell. I like Davis. We'll be just fine. Uh, yeah, no, I don't feel good about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just been a little bit disappointing to see Michael Davis these last few weeks not quite give the effort that or the efforts that he was giving before and that we saw last season um you know ultimately uh, i think he'll be okay but you know in terms of talking about cb1 in the long term in the future 
I think if you don't have a better series of games here uh, in this next little bit, then I think that kind of calls into question whether he actually can be CB1 uh, in the future, unfortunately, yeah. especially because the Chargers do have so much draft capital coming up uh, and you have free agency and all that. So, you know, obviously I don't think anything's going to happen to him. He's going to be on this team for the next two years after this. Um, and he's still, you know, vi- you know, viable part of that secondary. And I still do believe that, you know, he has that athleticism. He has that speed. But, um, yeah, I think he needs to play better partially because Chris Harris is deteriorating behind him. And also, Devon Campbell looks like a CFL player, frankly, right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think this yeah. has to be the game where Michael Davis does uh, step up, relatively speaking, to where he's been playing because we know what he's capable of uh, when he does play well. So, for me, uh, I think that that's kind of one of the keys to the game as well. Yeah, this needs to be a good Michael Davis game if they they have any chance of winning it. And we haven't really seen one this year. I think he played okay against the Cowboys. I feel like the Cowboys is probably his best effort of the season, maybe the Chiefs. But it's I don't know if it's just a, a lack of consistency or what, but he has not been the same player this year, which is unfortunate. Uh, Dane Brugger of The Athletic actually had the Chargers taking – uh, Kair Elam, the slot corner from Florida in his uh, first mock draft, um, which I think is an interesting conversation, um, which we probably won't get into that today. But, um, you know, taking cornerback early in the draft is theoretically, you know, on the table at this point, as as sad as it is to say. Um, are, do you have something to say, Alex? Oh, no, I just said Sauce Gardner, CB1. Let's go get him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into these key matchups and X factors. Um, I'm going to start this one off. To me, this is all about the Chargers offensive tackles versus the Bengals edge rushers. So uh, Trey Hendrickson, a lot of people were very critical of that signing. They felt like Mm -hmm. Carl Lawson was the better player and felt like Trey Hendrickson was not really worth that kind of money. Um, And Trey Hendrickson had for... All counts of purposes has been fantastic for the Bengals. He's got 52 total pressures according to Pro Football Focus and 12 sacks, and he's got a 21.6 pass rush win rate. All of those numbers are in the top five among qualified edge rushers. He also has 13 run stops, which is also top 15 among edge rushers. So he has been a fantastic addition for the Bengals. And then you have Sam Hubbard, who's been on the Bengals for quite a while. Uh, They drafted him out of Ohio State. I believe they extended him or picked up his option or something like that. Um, He's an okay pass rusher. His sack number is a little misleading. Uh, He has 33 total pressures and a pass rush win rate of 11%. So he's an okay pass rusher, but where he's made his money really has been as a run defender. He has 20 run stops on the season, which is second most among all edge rushers. So he's been a very solid running mate. He is what uh, I wish Uchenna Onwosu would be for Joey Bosa. Um, and this is a really interesting matchup because we've seen from other teams, right, that they put their better edge rusher against Storm Norton as opposed to Sean Slater. The Bengals don't really do that. They line uh, Trey Henderson up off of the left tackle and Sam Hubbard off of the right tackle. Uh, Marcus Whitman told us yesterday that Henriksen is essentially playing against the right tackle like 5% of his snaps this year. And so it's 
Listen, like from if they put Hendrickson primarily against Rashawn Slater, that's going to be a hell of a film watch for me. I can't wait to watch that individual matchup because Rashawn Slater, I think you know we all agree is fantastic at this point. But if they do switch that up a little bit and put Hendrickson against Storm Norton, that is going to be a very tough matchup. So you have to. We don't know about the guard situation at this point. You have to have a good tackle game in this one because Henriksen and Sam Hubbard have been very good for the Bengals this year. Yeah, I'm actually, I think it goes. Oh, uh, no problem. Uh, I was actually just going to talk about the Bengals offensive line for my uh, situation here, and I think where you got to look is their interior. Um, they have their tackle situation somewhat figured out with Riley Reif uh, and Jonah Williams, who we talked about ad nauseum of them taking a tackle in the draft, but the real problem yeah. with their offensive line right now uh, is their interior. You have Trey Hopkins at center, uh, and they also have uh, Jackson Carmen at guard right now, both of who have sub-50 PFF grades uh, and have allowed a bunch of pressures, a bunch of sacks and hits, uh, so it has not been pretty there. Um, so I think when we talk about key matchups, it's the guys that are in the interior who haven't been getting that pressure. It's Jerry Tillery, Linval Joseph, Brad Fajoko, if he's still on the team. Uh, and you know, all of those guys who are going to be potentially rushing the passer from the interior, those guys that are going to be defending the run. Um, I think that you kind of have to poke holes in that Cincinnati offensive line. Uh, and you got to start with the interior. So, uh, that's kind of my key matchup is just going to be the interior defensive line and if they can get any pass rush uh, and sacks against that interior, because uh, not that I'm saying Joey Bosa is going to be locked up. Joey Bosa is going to win his reps. Chen Wosu can win his from time to time, but I really do think this is a game where because of how the Bengals are built on their offensive line, you just need that IDL to step up. And if it doesn't uh, both on the run game and in the pass rush game, then this team's going to struggle. Yeah, I hope the, that Joey Bosa makes the Bengals regret taking a receiver over Sewell, although I'm sure <laughs> Chase will make the Chargers regret even showing up to the game. Uh, Steven, when they so Joseph's coming back and obviously Jones is healthy. Yeah, Steven, are they how often are they doing that same four down defensive lineman sort of thing where it was like Tillery, Jones, somebody, and Bosa? I'm just curious how often um, against the Steelers or, it was, it was they would use Joey Bosa on the inside as opposed to bringing in mm -hmm. another defensive tackle. Um, okay. but against the Vikings, they did it like four or five times, maybe six at most. Mm -hmm. Um, but not a ton. Okay, now I was just curious if like there's a way to get Jerry Tillery off the field. Like if you have Jones, <laughs> you have Joseph, and you have Bosa, you know, like you can kind of make that work. But okay, that's fine. Um, no, that's, that's a really good call there, Jamar or not Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. At least in my watch of him against the uh, Raiders kind of held on to the ball a little longer than I thought he would. Some pocket presence mm -hmm. that I thought he was really good at just wasn't quite there. Um, but again, like the the, the the Raiders obviously play a very different defense than the Chargers play. Um, it sort of worked out that game. We'll see how the Chargers do. Uh, my key matchup is going to be Justin Herbert versus Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Bates is more that free safety. Bell more that mm -hmm. strong safety, although he does rotate. Um, but it's a bit of a reach here. But the Chargers really replicated and kind of did the same things that the Raiders did in their game plan against the Eagles. And again, coaching tree, we understand that there's a relationship there between Lombardi and sort of Gruden, Peyton, whatever. Um, but those two guys in that Raiders game were targeted by the Raiders 11 times, and they gave up nine catches for 101 yards. I don't know how comfortable, you know, Herbert's going to feel doing those sort of things. 
Um, you could probably target Bell more, more comfortably rather than Bates. Uh, Bates did very well against the Chargers the last time they played. But I think those guys can be had potentially in this game. I don't recall how the Raiders went about targeting those guys, but they clearly had success against those two guys. You know, Again, nine catches, 101 yards in that game. So I want to see how Herbert goes about attacking those guys and if he's comfortable enough to let that ball go and to actually attack the receivers that may be open or the, the vacated zones or some anticipation, whatever it is, hopefully he can get back to that because I respect Jesse Bates. I think he's a good safety. I think he was he an all pro last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he is a good safety. Uh, I know he was a pro bowler. I don't know if he was pro bowl. Okay. Okay. So pro bowl last season, very good safety, you know, but does, does Herbert look at them, this, the Bengals defense, the same way that he would the Denver secondary or the Patriots secondary maybe even the Vikings secondary, even though Charles not that great when they played. I personally, even though the defense is good and JC Bates is good and their secondary is okay this season, I feel like I'd be more comfortable. Maybe it's because I don't pay attention to the Bengals, but I feel like as a quarterback, you could be more comfortable letting that ball go against these guys, especially because the Raiders had so much success against them. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. Obviously, a lot of that will depend on... Uh... Oh, Jason says in the chat that Herbert doesn't like targeting safeties so far. Interesting. Get that linebacker. You can target Bell. It's good. Like like you say every week, Stephen. You say every week that you say every <laughs> week that it's about Eckler versus X player. And you know, Eckler, listen, hey, go for it. Yeah, just catch the ball this time, Austin. Don't 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 drop it. Um, you know I. <laughs> That was another thing that was frustrating today, listening to Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley yesterday talk about the drops as it's like, oh, it's not going to be continue to be a problem. It's week 13, guys. They, they lead the league in drops. Like, it, it's a problem. But, you know, Keenan Allen had a great line about that yesterday, which was fantastic. Um, all right, let's get into some X factors. Alex, uh, you mentioned uh, Matt Filer. Do you have another X factor or is he your X factor? Uh, yeah, it's Matt Filer because uh, the offense will not be functional if he doesn't play. So, I mean, uh, pretty important to the game, uh, given that Senio Calamete gave up 10 pressures, as, as Steven charted, uh, as well as the sacks, as well as all the hits. You know, I, I do like Jaimez, maybe not as much as Steven does, but, you know, putting a rookie guard in there right now, probably also... Can't be any worse. <laughs> it can't be any worse, but still probably not the optimal play. So the optimal play is getting Matt Filer into the game. Um, I, I just think his chemistry with Slater and Lindsley on that line is just very good too, as Tyler demonstrated with his Twitter banner, like they were opening running lanes just more consistently when he was there uh, and when he was kind of at his peak health, if we want to say that. So for me, I think if you have to throw Senio Calamente or Brendan Hymas out there, uh, it's going to be a sort of long day. Um, so to me, if you want any chance particularly the fact that, you know, they're looking for those down the field shots that just aren't getting completed because Justin Herbert has to escape the pocket or something else has to happen. Um, I, I think that you kind of have to have like Matt Filer play to be able to take those deep shots that fans want so much. Uh, so for me, uh, it's got to be Matt Filer. That's a really good call there. Thank you for setting me the, setting that up for me. I'm going to sort of knock it down here because my X factor is pass protection, but then Herbert choosing the right moments to scramble because there were some iffy moments against the Broncos. Um, some turned into that bad throw, like the interception versus against the Broncos. Some turn out really well, like the scrambles against the Steelers. 
sometimes, you know, choosing your opportunities to scramble, like against the Steelers when he bootlegged and there was no free defender off the weak side or whatever it was, Herbert took off and it was great. Sometimes he scrambles like he did against the Patriots and he runs in like for whatever reason, loses yards despite the fact that there's an open lane in front of him. I'm um, again against the Broncos throwing that interception. So a, how does the pass protection hold up for him? But B, if it doesn't, or if he sees an opportunity, can Herbert choose the right moments to scramble? Because he can, and I think he's good at it. We haven't quite seen a lot of it, but we've seen the potential of what he can do. So can he choose the right moments to scramble, or does he hang in there, and maybe opt to not scramble? That's kind of my X factor this game. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see kind of what the plan is in this one. You know, we saw uh, what, we thought, what we hoped would have been the worst offensive line performance of the season against the Patriots. Uh, and then the Chargers came out against the Eagles, and it was a lot of quarterback movement that they had previously, right? It was a lot of RPO, bootlegs, naked bootlegs. Like, I, I'm hoping that we see that this week. You know, I'm, I wish we would see that every single week, but particularly this week, especially if uh, Senor Calamante is in there. Uh, Thomas Martinez, you're just asking a lot of great questions today, man. I, I, I wish I could ask Brandon Staley that myself. Uh, asking if Hymas isn't ready, why the hell do they not give him reps in those Jumbo packages? So uh, I think that's a fantastic question, and uh, I wish I could ask Brandon Stady. So I was going to talk about uh, protection here as well, but you guys kind of covered it. So I'm actually going to talk about uh, pressuring Joe Burrow. Uh, I guess we could have I could have mentioned this uh, earlier in the in the show when we were talking about that conversation. Uh, but if you guys had to guess. In terms of turnover-worthy play percentage when under pressure, where do you think Joe Burrow would land? Are we talking about his ranking or percentage? Like his percentage. Like where do you think his percentage would rank among all quarterbacks? Uh, I'll say between... No, you got to pick one, Alex. I got to price this right, you. Come on. Okay. (laughs) I'll say 23rd. Okay. Tyler? 23rd being good? No, or... no, no. As in 23rd, like, the worst. Okay, so 24th. We were kind of going for <laughs> so, so you're thinking he's the 7th worst? Yes. Okay. Then I will go 6th worst. 6th <laughs> Okay, well, he's ninth worst. So Alex, yes! Alex is closer. Dang it. I was assuming you guys would think that he was better than that because that's kind of the per- the perception, right? No, see, right you set pressure. you set up the question in a misleading way. So that's why <laughs> me and Tyler then assume that it's worse than yeah, leading the uh, witness over here. Come on. Yeah. So right, you sort of right, let well, us into that one. Um, all right. Well, I'm sorry. So uh Joe Burrow is the ninth worst quarterback in terms of turnover worthy play percentage when under pressure. The players that are around him are uh, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Justin Fields. So not exactly a a great group of quarterbacks to be around. Um, And just because I wanted to figure this out, Justin Herbert is first. He is the best quarterback in the league in terms of fewest turnover-worthy plays while under pressure. So uh, definitely wanted to mention that one. But... When you look at uh, the numbers here, Joe Burrow has five interceptions when under pressure, which is the fourth most in the league. So I, I don't think they'll be able to stop Joe Mixon. I don't think that they'll be able to <laughs> really limit the wide receivers all that much. But if they can get to Joe Burrow, then they can potentially 
you know, win that field position battle that I was talking about. They could potentially, you know, finally get some interceptions, cause some fumbles or whatever the case may be. Uh, so to me, getting after Joe Burrow uh, with your pass rush is the X factor of the week. Yeah, just any kind of turnovers. And unfortunately, the two guys that generated turnovers the last time they played, they're gone. That's Perryman on the force fumble on Mixon and then Ingram yeah. with the interception off the screen pass or whatever it was, which was wild. Um, yeah, any any turnovers they can get would be great. I forget where they are in turnover differential, but it's not great. I think they're at like zero. I think they're minus two now, actually, because of the maybe minus one because of the, the game against the Broncos. Uh, not great. Oh, uh, yeah. Not great either way. So um, some good stuff there. All right, let's get to our uh, bolt predictions here. Curious to see where you guys end up. Tyler, why don't you kick it off? Okay, hold on. Um, my bolt prediction is that a running back behind Austin Eckler has a rush for over seven yards. <laughs> that's really bold, actually. I don't know. That's, that's, that is that, so sad. I, that, that's where the status of the running back room is. <laughs> And everyone in the chat is like, oh, you know, maybe not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know where to go for bold prediction after that. Um, Go for six. (laughs) Go for for six yards, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think for my bold prediction this week, I'm going to go with Jalen Guyton touchdown. I don't know. That's sort of where I am with it. Um, I could see maybe one of those go routes happening again. Uh, we've sort of been wanting that the whole year. So it could theoretically happen. He had that nice catch on fourth down last week uh, that sort of extended our misery. Um, so that was fun. Um, but I feel like he's kind of due for one. Had an okay game last week. I'll go Jalen Guyton touchdown. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there were some opportunities. There was... Uh... Mm-hmm. That third down where Justin Herbert scrambled for like seven yards, mm-hmm. uh, and then they had Keenan Allen drop that pat like it's kind of broken up. But anyways, on that third down, Jalen Guyton was open on a go route, so mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. I don't hate that one. <laughs> yes, Thomas Martinez, the run has to count as well. But you, Tom- you know what? I'll accept it. I will accept holding cheating calls. <laughs> I my, I will boldly predict that they will get they will get a rush over seven yards, even if they have to cheat to do it. Larry Roundtree with an eight-yard run called back by Senio Calamante. <laughs> and by the way, I am now I have two X factors that I've picked that have been inactive. McKitty once and then Roundtree. I said Roundtree was going to be a factor against Denver, and then they inactivated him. So, <laughs> you know, I'm on a roll here. <laughs> People don't really need to listen to this section when I talk. <laughs> Wait, who was your X Factor today? Who? Oh, no, no. So the first time it was Trey McKitty, and then it was Larry Roundtree last week, where I said, he's going to have a really big day. Like, they're really bringing there him on are. strong, and they can give him more carries, and then he was inactive. So. Today you just said pass protection, right? You didn't say, like, a specific player? I feel like the pass protection will be inactive, unfortunately. <laughs> can, we, can, we, <laughs> can we retroactively have you just say Senor Calamente, just so we can get it out of the way that he's inactive? Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, my X Factor is going to be Senio Kelemetze. I think he needs to have a really good game, and uh, we'll see how he does. <laughs> I appreciate that, Tyler. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Um, my bold prediction, I don't really know how bold it is, but um, I think Rashawn Slater 
completely shuts Trey Hendrickson down. I think we see the mm. worst game of Hendrickson's season. Uh, that is conditional on the fact of that he plays primarily against Rashawn Slater and not Storm. Yes. Rose. Okay, so define shutdown. Like, like zero, nothing? Like one pressure tops. Okay. I'd be curious to see how you chart it versus like PFF. It's like they kind of split it between because Calamete is not really helping out Slater either. So I'm curious right. how you chart the communication there. But okay. All right. Okay. I'm so down. to clarify, Rashawn Slater mm-hmm. gives up zero pressures against Trey Henriksen. Okay. Sounds good. There we go. My guy. Um, all right. It's time for our. Favorite segment of the show is our <laughs> league-wide picks. <What's> segment? <laughs> I can't wait for this recap. Um, Alex, why don't you uh, update, update us on the standings, and then you also have an ad for ExpressVPN. Yeah, ExpressVPN. The standings are brought to you by the fine people at expressvpn.com slash guilty, where you can um, watch the games where I pick them all wrong because I pick NFC East teams and Carson Wentz. I don't know (laughs) why I continue to do this to myself, but I do. Uh, So you can watch all beautiful, all 22 and your favorite Netflix shows. If you go to for a three month free trial at expressvpn.com slash guilty, they want to give you the standings this week from expressvpn.com slash guilty. Uh, Tyler and me in the pick segment are now tied at 24 and 12 after I, I blew a three-game lead uh, pretty pretty <laughs> badly uh, by picking Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott and yeah, just I, and Carson Wentz. Um, so, yeah, I went 0-3. Tyler went 3-0. So there goes my three-game lead. Steven still chugging along at 15 and 19. He's yeah, he's only he's only nine games out, I think. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, so I'm happy to get into the picks this week, and I'm sure I'll be left with garbage to pick from. So <laughs> okay, you know yeah. what? I'll make it more interesting. Okay, 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 hold on. If Steven goes three and zero this week, I will swap records with him. Wow! <laughs> wow! But all Steven right. has to go three and zero, which I don't think has happened at happen. all. No, I've only got. I think I've. <laughs> I've gone two and one a few times, but <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, I I was going to say something else, but all right, we'll, we'll jump right into the picks then. Um, okay. So it is my turn to go first this time. So um, I am going to go uh, Rams over Jaguars. I think that's the biggest uh, gimme of the week. So I'll take mm-hmm. that one. Um, I'm going to take the... Chiefs over the Broncos okay, on uh, Sunday Night Football. And then upset of the week, I'm going to take the Washington football team over the Las Vegas Raiders. I like it. I like it. Okay, that's that's a big one. That's uh, I can't wait to put more pressure on you to have to have these guys <laughs> win for you so you can have my record and tie with Alex potentially, there or however it works after this week. Um, okay, I'm going to go with the Colts over the Texans. I feel good about that. T.Y. Hilton will probably smash the Texans again. Um, then I will take the Bucks over the Falcons. That feels pretty good. I'll take those two. For my upset, I will take the Patriots over the Bills. Yeah, I was going to pick the Buccaneers too, but I picked them like three times, and I think they've lost twice. So... Uh... <laughs> No, I think that's a really smart pick, though. You you mentioned uh, Arden's support a quarterback graphic that he put up mm-hmm. today. 
Uh, Ryan was dead last by like a wide margin there. So uh, yeah. Maddie Ice going through a tough time right now. All right, Alex, uh, wrap up our league picks. You're uh, you're up. Yeah, I actually feel pretty good. Uh, you guys left me some good ones. I'll take uh, Vikings over Lions. Uh, mm-hmm. So that one's good. I'll take Cardinals over Bears in the return of uh, Kyler and company, or maybe Colt McCoy will play. But, I mean, the Bears are still pretty bad, and they lost to Tyler Huntley. So uh, <laughs> I think I feel comfortable with that pick. My guy. Yeah, <laughs> your guy, Tyler Huntley. Um, as far as my upset, um, not not a whole not a whole lot of great upsets this Wait, week. Give me a second to look at these upsets that you can pick from, just so I can laugh. Hold on. Um, okay. So you could do Giants over Dolphins with uh, mm-hmm. Mike Lennon. Um, uh-huh. you yeah. do Steelers over Ravens. That's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um. You could do the Seahawks Seattle Niners. Seahawks over the Niners. You know, they signed Ugh. Adrian Peterson. So they are <laughs> yes. in win now mode, Alex. Adrian Peterson uh. is going to be the difference for the three and eight Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I could uh, pick any one of those games uh, for sure. Um, okay. Mm. I'll go Broncos over Chiefs. Oh, uh, okay. you know, compared to the garbage that I have to pick from, that's the least bad of them. I was tempted to go Jets over Eagles just because I think that would have been funny. But I do think <laughs> the Eagles actually probably win that one. So I'll I'll take the Broncos and go head to head with Steven there. I, I think the game's in Denver. Uh, you know, the Chiefs haven't fully gotten it together yet. So uh, I'll I'll take the I'll take the Broncos in that one. Yeah, that would really turn the AFC upside down, I think. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I feel better about the loss, at least. Yeah. Wait, the game's in Denver, you said? It's Kansas yeah. City. Oh, is it? Okay. Kansas well, City. I'm wrong. Okay. Too, too late. Um, but Alex, I'm really interested. Can you pick, just not related to our record, just for fun, can you pick the Eagles-Jets game outright? Uh, do you want Do you want the spread? <laughs> or? Brutal. Yeah, I just I mean, want you to tell me who's going to win because it sounded like you almost picked the Jets to upset the Eagles there. Yeah, I would pick the Eagles because it's the Jets and Zach Wilson looks horrible, but Jalen Hurts also looked horrible last week. So, um, uh, yeah, I would go with the Eagles probably. Okay. What's the spread? It's uh, minus six and a half. Yeah, the, the, I, I the feel Jets like the Eagles should win that one. The, the fight in Joe Flacco's aren't doing too good. Is Flacco starting this one or is it is no, Wilson it's, back? It's Wilson again, but it's still... oh, okay. the fact that Flacco was wearing number 19 when he was starting was also <laughs> just like you crazy to me. All right, well, yeah. uh, we'll wrap this one up with our predictions for the Chargers and Bengals game. Um, I'll kick this one off. I said earlier I was very anxious about this game, I do not feel very good about it. Um, you know, I, I think you could potentially see like a, a Couple points swing if Matt Filer plays, if Lamar Joseph plays, but I, I just don't feel great about this one. You know, all of the advanced statistics really kind of point a tough matchup for the Chargers. It's in Cincinnati. It's supposed to be raining, which you know would lead to teams running the football more, which plays into the hands of the Bengals. So, on the condition that Matt Filer plays, I think the Bengals win thirty to twenty-three. 
Yeah, I don't even think they win if Matt Filer plays. Although I'd feel, you know, I'd feel better about their chances. Right. I, unfortunately, this offense is efficient at scoring points, but they don't score a lot of points because special teams stinks. Defense is, actually, I'm going to say, awful at this point, and they don't take the ball away. So, you know, I think the offense can move. I think they'll be all right. But I actually have the Chargers losing 24 to 33. Uh, yeah, I have a pretty close score, actually. I have the Chargers losing 34-24. Um, so, yeah. I mean, to me, I'd love to see the Chargers win. I think they're capable of it if the defense plays like they should, <laughs> um, like Tyler mentioned. Totally. But the defense and special teams just put the offense in bad positions, and, uh, you know, the offensive line situation right now isn't even great for the Chargers anyway, in addition to the fact that they have the drops problem. So, for me, before I pick the Chargers again, especially in a game where they're going against a team that has this kind of offense like the Cincinnati Bengals, um, I kind of need to see them win before I really pick them. And uh, when it comes to the Bengals in particular, like <laughs> I don't know if you need a whole lot of like advanced stats for this matchup either. You know, like I said on the show uh, yesterday, you have five out of the last six games. Bengals have scored 30 plus points. Chargers have done it one time in the last month and a half. Um, so to me, it, you know, it is kind of, Brutal in that regard, um, but to me, that's just where the Chargers are offensively as a team right now. So I got the Bengals 34-24. Yeah, I just, like, I wish I could pick the Chargers in this one. I really do. You know, I try to be as optimistic as I can, but they've just been so inconsistent, and this is a significantly more difficult matchup than I think we would have thought at this, you know, two or three months ago. The Bengals are really clicking on offense. Their defense is playing really, really well for them. Um, so I, I think that there are definitely matchups that I feel comfortable with. Like I feel comfortable with Slater. I feel comfortable with Bosa, mm-hmm. Derwin. It's just all the other like little details that I just don't feel great about. And so, um, you know, if, if the chargers won this game, I would not be surprised. Like if Justin Herbert came out and, you know, had a 400 yard passing game, like I wouldn't be the, all that surprised because he certainly has a talent and we've seen him bounce back. But it's just it's a tough thing to predict right now with the way that we've seen this team uh, be so inconsistent on offense and defense right now. I will say the one thing that could potentially swing in their favor is that Arjun pointed out the two most inconsistent or volatile offenses right now are the Chargers and the Bengals. The Chargers are coming (laughs) off a bad game. The Bengals are coming off of a good game. So potentially things just switch for one game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, I think this is funny in retrospect that we're all picking the Bengals to beat the Chargers uh, three months after Tyler put them in the worse than the Texans tier. Uh, so we really <laughs> did this to ourselves is what I'm saying. I'm mostly because they picked Sewell over or Chase over Sewell. But yes, I didn't think I did not think they would be this good. No. And uh, so Jamar Chase needs uh, 95 yards to pass a thousand yards. Uh, do we think he passes that on Sunday? The question is, does he pass 1,100 yards, honestly? <laughs> uh, I hate that they're going to give that award to Mac Jones. Yeah, it it's it's just, it should be Chase or it should be Slater, in my opinion, or Creed Humphrey, man. Like, they're, they're really putting up elite kind of statuses, and Mac Jones is just, like, getting the most help of any quarterback in the league. So, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin said, Jay Herbo going to go full Mike White on the Bengals. That is true. Like, you know, the Bengals have had some mm-hmm. very puzzling performances. Absolutely. 
you know, they lost to the Bears too uh, when Andy Dalton was playing, and they lost to the Jets with Mike White. So you never know, um, but we'll see. Um, Alex Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out for the day? This is not the season, but it kind of is. I hope they win. I'd be very excited to watch Herbert go out and beat Joe Burrow. You know, Burrow did not play a great game against the Chargers the last time that they met, but that was his first start ever, and his line wasn't very helpful. Hopefully, Jerry Tillery can show up. That was kind of his, like, coming out game. We thought that was going to be it. Here comes Jerry Tillery against the Bengals. He looks great. And never really, you know, transpired. So hopefully somebody can step up. Again, I'm looking for anyone who wants to be good or even great on Sunday outside of the guys we expect to be great. Hopefully somebody does. Otherwise, it's going to be a loss. Six and six. Season's not looking good. Um, yeah, I'll go as far as to say that I do think it's a must-win game. Uh, and if they lose, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to say the season's over, but, like, playoff contention to me would be over. I mean, you're going to probably have the Chiefs win that Sunday night game, uh, which would be a two-game lead over the Chargers in the event that they lost to Cincinnati. And then Cincinnati winning, you know, really makes the wild card a tough uphill climb if the Chargers are going to get back into it. Uh, so, you know, plus, even if Denver wins the Sunday night game and the Chargers lose, now the Chargers are back one game at Denver and they lost the tiebreaker. So um, there, there's a lot of different ways that that could go. But to me, the Chargers control their own destiny. I mean, in a weird way from this point out, they are in that seventh wild card spot and just have to win games. Um, so uh, on some level, it's not that hard. But they lose this game, then I think those odds get a much more bleaker. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. You know, th- this is definitely a must-win kind of game for the Chargers if they are going to make the playoffs because, you know, you've got the Bengals, you've got the the Colts who are playing really well. I know the Colts lost last week, but, you know, the Colts' schedule is very manageable, right? Like going down the stretch, the Bills uh, have certainly, you know, gotten some momentum back after their performance against the Saints. Patriots are rolling. So uh, this is absolutely a game that the Chargers have to win if they want to get into the playoffs. I think uh, the schedule kind of work itself out. You know, I think the Browns and the Steelers are kind of close to being essentially eliminated. You know, the um, the Raiders are, are really up and down. So this is definitely a must-win game. And like I said, I, if the Chargers came out and, you know, we're on fire on offense. Like we've seen that kind of bounce back performance before. So, you know, who knows, but uh, Alex pointed out uh, Marcus that, you know, I hate stealing Alex's lines all the time, but you know, the best run defense the Chargers have is Justin Herbert coming out and scoring two touchdowns, but back-to-back drives and, you know, having a positive game script game script in that regard. Um, so this is, this is a big game for everybody. You know, the offensive line has to bounce back. Justin Herbert has to bounce back. Brandon Staley has to bounce back. They've got to make some smart personnel decisions uh, in order to win this game and, and get some momentum down the stretch. So uh, big one for sure. Um, so that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this was a, a fun show. I enjoyed talking about the Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow debate. Um, Alex and Tyler, thank you for joining me, and we'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.